Well, hello and welcome to the Glorify Treasure Spread podcast. This is Jordan, and today I am joined by our brother, Matt Nash. What's up, Matthew? What's up, brother? Good to be here. Thanks for joining us. Um, I've asked Matt to join this episode because there's a theme I wanted him to just unpack a little bit. Many of you in the church know, but maybe all of you don't, that Matt and Cassie uh, are on a trajectory, it appears, that the Lord has them on a trajectory toward leaving Grace Church soon. And soon is as the Lord wills, whenever that is. Um, but uh, Matt, why are you leaving Grace Church? Yeah, brother, it's a good question. The The, the big picture reason is that everything exists for the glory of Christ. And in our little part of that, he has us moving and uh, he's worth it. The, the more practical and the more concrete way to answer the question is we have increasingly been persuaded over the years, meaning gradually over time, uh, that we ought to pursue spreading gospel outposts. By that, I just mean spreading the gospel around in an additional church or uh, pastoring elsewhere uh, in another local congregation. Amen. Good. Well, I think most people knew uh, that that was the trajectory the Lord had you on, but thanks for enduring my uh, incessant silliness when I talk with you. So hopefully I can rein it in just a little bit and people can actually understand what we talk about because sometimes when we, when you and I get going, um, it's it's a different dialect, but <laughs> maybe I can keep it reined in just a little bit. That is, um, <laughs> say it. <laughs> All right. um, so some people um, don't know the story about kind of when you were first around grace and then left, and now you're back at grace. Let's just do a quick hitter on the overview of Matt Nash's conversion. And then coming to Memphis and being part of Grace and your family and going off seminary and coming back. Yeah, I can do that. I grew up in a nominal Christian home, but was unconverted until I was 20 years old. Uh, I'm 33 now, so that would have been 13 years ago. Became a Christian on hearing the gospel. And that would have been in 2007. I moved to Memphis in January of 2009, and by the providence of God, it's a remarkable story for another time, ended up at Grace Church. Had no idea what I was doing and ended up at the place that I really do believe that God had intended for me to come. So I joined the church, was actually baptized that same year, 2009, uh, as a, I would consider myself a very Christian at the time, and uh, plugged into the church and benefited tremendously. Where were you baptized? Say it again. Where were you baptized? I was baptized on a church retreat in Arkansas, either in Wynn or Forest City, Arkansas. I can't remember which one, but in a swimming pool on a church retreat by Brian Smith with a bunch of people around from the church. Yep. Wynn, Arkansas. Wynn. Yep. There you go. Yep. Wynn, Arkansas. I still have a picture of that. They, uh, the guy who uh, managed the camp snuck in and got a picture and then delivered it to me. Pretty sweet. So. Love it. Um, so I was baptized, joined the church 2009, and uh, plugged into the church, was discipled, and um, 
eventually had the, the privilege of serving the church as a deacon for a little while doing facilities. That was, those were some crazy days, but really enjoyed that time. And uh, really beginning in, say, 2011 or so, that was the year Cassie and I got married, my wife, began to gradually, sort of slowly uh, sense that the Lord might be calling me or uh, moving me towards some kind of pastoral ministry. And um, was sort of on and off, did the church's pastoral internship and residency beginning uh, in 2012. That really only fanned the flame and confirmed my own increasing aspirations to serve God's people in that particular way through pastoral ministry. And then became, by God's grace, one of the elders of the congregation. I think it was in 2015. I'm not sure, but I think that's right. I get my years a little bit mixed up, but had the privilege of serving as an elder for a couple of years, which was a great joy in and of itself, and only increased my desire to serve God's people in that particular kind of way through pastoring. Um, so I got to do that for a couple of years, and then still with the increasing slow desire and aspiration and persuasion that God really was in uh, our, our aspirations or desires, um, thought that we should begin to move, my wife and I, or I should move towards vocational pastoral ministry outside the walls of Grace Church. And um, the intention before the pastoral internship and residency was really instrumental in doing Ephesians 4. So the, the body, equipping the body to do the work of the ministry. So amongst the pastors, as a young fella, uh, getting to, to see what it is to be a pastor and to do all the kinds of theological training and books and papers and everything else, that was instrumental uh, for, for me in learning what it is to be a pastor. However, in my own desire to be a pastor, I felt that there was one thing in specific that was missing from that sort of history of pastoral training, which would have been, in my case, the biblical languages. And so that leads to our chapter that we spent in seminary. We moved to North Carolina in, let's see, I think it was May of 2018. So about two years ago now, we moved to North Carolina to attend Southeastern and got a degree there in uh, biblical languages, a master of biblical languages. So we were there, my family and I, for about a year and a half studying languages. And then we just moved back here to Memphis about six months ago. So in December of uh, 2019 and uh, rejoined Grace Church and are really here to be sent out from the church. We, we believe wholeheartedly that we don't want to be sent out of our own authority and by our own you know, stamp of approval or, or anything of that sort. We want to be sent by this congregation in, in a way that's good for the church, approved by the church, encouraged by the church, um, and really supported as, as, as much as anyone can be supported. We want to link arms with the church for the spreading of the gospel. And so be sent by the church. Um, so that's, that's part of why that, that's a big part of why, or really that's the main part of why we moved back to Memphis was to, be re-engrafted into Grace Church. And so that catches us up to the present. Mm. Well, just hearing you tell that story reminds me of so many layers I would love to dig into. <laughs> and uh, 
I just had like flashbacks of moments, you know, you would say something and I would think of that moment. You would say something, I would think of another moment. <laughs> and uh, so I'm actually just going to tap on two of them and then we'll leave the others maybe for another conversation that we can do this way or in some other way with the church. But uh, the two I want to tap on is uh, where'd you meet your wife? Yeah. At Grace Church. Um Back when I joined the church in 2009, there was a, a pretty large number of single folks and we would hang out and paint each other's houses when they needed to be painted and all kinds of stuff like that. And Cassie, uh, that's my wife, she uh, was one of those young single folks. And I'll tell you what really made her stand out to me in all honesty is pray at the church's prayer meeting. I don't mean that prayer meetings like time to find yourself a, a spouse or anything like that. But at the same time, when you hear something, uh, you hear someone praying and seeking God's face, that there's a right uh, esteem that can be had for a person because of their uh, sincere devotion to the Lord and dependence on the Lord. So that and a whole bunch of other stuff. But that's, uh, that's how we met was at the church. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and Matt went off for his uh occupational therapy was it your degree that you went to texas for you had to do some kind of like an, an internship yeah it was a three-month thing yeah, where you yeah. just go and work yeah yeah okay so matt left memphis uh goes down to texas does that comes back he and cassie by that time are in light with each other and uh <laughs> they came over to my tracy's house for dinner and there's this infamous story that's gotten a little embellished <laughs> over time but it basically goes like this matt and kathy kind of newly expressing their like for each other <laughs> are sitting at our dinner table and ask something to the effect of what i think about their relationship to which i said i think you ought to get married <laughs> and I can still see Cassie's face <laughs> in my mind's eye right now is the greatest of all like I cannot turn and look to this guy sitting next to me <laughs> right now because I have no idea how to process what is being said <laughs> but it wasn't long after we said it uh, we stood at Union Avenue Baptist Church and I had the joy of officiating that's right brother just so, seven months that. later so i just want yep. to reach out and thank you for that i uh, really appreciate what you did that night <laughs> <laughs> all right the other thing i want to tap on before we have a little talk about trajectory toward pastoring uh, as as the lord leads in your life was the seminary experience um, you went and got you said a master's in biblical languages and just for everybody's hearing uh, that, maybe some of the young people in church will listen. Who knows who will listen? What are the biblical languages? Yeah, so there are actually three of them. The, the, the Bible was written, uh, was written in three different languages. None of them are English. But most of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It's not modern Hebrew. It's ancient Hebrew. Nobody speaks it today. Um, but ancient Hebrew, that's most of the Old Testament, a very small fraction, like to the tune of 10 chapters of the Old Testament, was written in a related language called Aramaic. Uh, but as I said, that's only about 10 chapters of the whole Old Testament, so a very, very small portion. As for the New Testament, it was written, uh, and again, it's another dead language. That language over 2,000 years has changed so much that no one speaks ancient uh, or a Cune Greek uh, at this time. But nonetheless, that was the language, that is the language that 
uh, that God Almighty chose to use in writing down the scriptures. So you have Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Amen. Okay, and then while we're still on that theme, maybe if I ask you this question in five minutes, you may come up with a few other things than you would say right now. But right now, what are three experiences, three things from your seminary experience that the Lord really used to encourage, bless, and whatever, you and maybe Cassie, just three things that come to mind from that experience that were a blessing. Yeah, that won't be hard. It was really a rich season, brother. We, Cassie and I have had some conversations and we can know with certainty what we look back on that season. as really a sweet time of our lives in, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I will name for you, I think I can give you three good ones. Uh, the first one, and perhaps you would think of most obviously, is just the the, the language learning. Uh, so learning those original languages and really learning just language generally in order to learn some other language, you got to learn how language works, uh, which makes you a better reader of the Bible, even just English, but also learning Greek, learning Hebrew and the, the little bit of Aramaic that we did uh, really enjoyed the time. I was able to give myself to that, you know, 40 hours a week, every week for a year and a half and, and uh, really enjoyed the study, but also uh, continue to find that it was a, a profitable effort. It was worth the time and the effort and, and all of that. So uh, that one's probably the most obvious, but I was not disappointed and I don't regret going. I do think it was worth everything uh, that went into it. So that's uh, thing number two that I think was particularly, that stands out particularly at the moment is our time with Corey and Crystal Henry. So just a minute ago, mm-hmm. I explained to you guys uh, my my own sort of brief history, hitting the mountaintops, time at Grace Church, moving towards ministry, go to seminary, get such and such degree. Well, many of you might know, but not all of you probably, that another family from our church has almost the same story. Their names are Corey and Crystal Henry. They were at Grace Church. We went to seminary at the exact same time. Corey and I had all the same classes together. I mean, to a T in, in the most literal sense, we were in every class together. Uh, all the time. So what I'm getting at there is just time with those folks. We had so much time with Corey and Crystal and our kids had so much time with each other. And we had such good fellowship for a year and a half. It was really rich. I I don't know that I've known a season quite like it, um, where we've been able to spend so much time with another uh, brother and sister, and especially Corey and I getting to spend so much time together. It was so edifying in, uh, in so many ways. So certainly I think fondly of that. And I very much expect that that's a, a friendship having, having gone so deep at this point that, uh, I hope and trust will last for a lifetime, however many days the Lord gives us. And then third, hmm. we joined a church there, a small church called Christ Church Rollsville. And uh, you won't know their names and faces, so it'll be hard to express to you the love that uh, we had with them in that year and a half. But man, it was so hard to leave because we grew to love these people. And it was so obvious that they too had grown to love us. So we had such good fellowship in Christ with these people. Some of them became like our parents. Some of them became like our close friends. I mean, just rich fellowship in, in all the things of life like recipes, I guess, and kids stuff and all that, but also uh, studying Romans together and just 
being able to share the hard parts of life and everything. So church life for us was really, really rich while we were there in North Carolina uh, with Christchurch, Rollsville. Praise the Lord. Well, you mentioning Corey, I've just got to say this. Uh, two days ago in my mailbox arrived a book that I <laughs> know you walked through as well. Discourse Grammar of the Greek New Testament, a practical introduction for teaching and exegesis by Stephen Runge. And uh, he said in his gift card that came or the note that came in it with as the gift, he said that uh, of all the books he was able to devour in the classes he took, this one stood out to him as the one the Lord really used in a special way in his life. And he benefited from it so much that he thought of me and purchased the bad boy, which I'm sure wasn't cheap and had it sent to me. So what a brother, uh, I'm assuming you walk through that resource yourself. In part of your it's worth study. its weight in gold, brother. I'm not kidding. It's, it's well worth the read and, and mm. study for sure. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Well, I just, uh, just started digging in last <laughs> night and, uh, looking forward to taking a, taking a journey through it. Okay, um, I'm going to shift gears and talk just a little bit about the trajectory it appears that the Lord has you on. And the main reason I wanted to do this episode is so that the church can be praying for you and just trusting the Lord with you about what he's up to in your life, the direction it looks like he has you on, and so that we can together be part of discerning God's will to help you and send you out whenever that time comes. So before we get into some, a couple little practical things I want to ask, let me do some of the heavy hitting. And I know each one of these I ask you could be, you know, deep and complex and drawn out responses with a lot of nuance. It's not quite what I'm looking for today. It's mainly the (laughs) the, the, uh, succinct and not lightning round, but, but kind of lightning round. And I have four questions. And I'm going to tell you all four of them and you can just run straight through. Got it. Okay. I want to I'll give you one little setup in 14 years that I've been in Memphis with my hand to the plow of the work that the Lord's entrusted to me with Grace Church. I have probably asked these same four questions to maybe let's be conservative with my guesstimate. 75 pastors in the Memphis area. So 14 years, minimum 75 pastors, big churches, small churches, Baptist churches, charismatic churches, uh, African-American churches, Anglo churches, you, you name it. If I get to talk to a pastor and the Lord gives me the opportunity, I'm, I'm going to ask these four questions. I think they help give um, a sense of kind of where the brother's coming from and how the Lord's at work in and through him in, in the congregation. So I think they're foundational and I also think they're going to be softballs for you and encouraging for us as we hear your response. The questions are, what is the gospel? What is a Christian? What is a church? And what is a pastor gospel, Christian church pastor. And brother, could you just give us, uh, a response to all four of those and just let us know when you're segueing from one to the other. I can other. do it. I can do it. And I'll give it about 45 minutes each. We should have no problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kidding. Here we go. All right. 
the the gospel and I'll make it succinct is that there is a God and he's more wonderful and perfect than any of us know. He made all things, including human beings and made them good. And yet all of us have fallen from that high place at which he created us. That's called sin, defiance of God, rebellion against God. And in his mercy, instead of judgment, the good news, that's the gospel, is that he sent his own son, Jesus, to come, live a life of perfect obedience, but then to be rewarded not with enjoy, enjoyment or some sort of positive reward, but to be rewarded instead with being crushed for our sins. That is, he died on the cross for our sins, just like God had always promised in the Bible. He was buried in a tomb, and he was raised on the third day. That is, the Son of God, fully dead for three days, fully alive again on that third day. That's the resurrection from the dead, just like God had promised in the scriptures. He was alive for 40 days after that, was seen by more than 500 eyewitnesses. He then ascended into heaven where he was enthroned at God's right hand. And from there, sent the Holy Spirit back to his people. And now those same people, that's us, we wait for the day when it'll all be completed and Jesus returns and makes all things new. So that day will come and every person will see his face, either in judgment and condemnation, or in the final adoption ceremony, when all God's people are freed from sin, freed from corruption, freed from these bodies, to be with Jesus forever in the new heavens and the new earth. That's the good news. It's a message about what God has done. That's the gospel. A Christian, thing number two, is, you could talk about a Christian in a variety of ways, but a Christian is a person who has done something and then is something. Not necessarily in that order, but those two things. What I mean is, they have repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus and the gospel that I just described. That's what a Christian has done. But more than that, a Christian has been fundamentally changed from what they were. So when, when people fell, that is when sin came, people died. The body lived on, at least temporarily, until death, but there was no life with God. There was no uh, spiritual vitality, spiritual fellowship with the living God. There was instead spiritual death. And when a person becomes a Christian, that old man dies. So the way Paul puts it in Galatians is that when you get united to Jesus, you get united to him in his death and his resurrection. So that the old man is dead and you get raised to new life so elsewhere jesus would say you have to be born again that just means united with christ raised to new life made a new person instead of spiritual death now spiritually alive that's who a christian is a person who's been brought into or you should you could say in one sense brought back into the sort of fellowship that we were meant to have with our creator a church is a group of those people who regularly assemble. 
if you think about a local church. There's two ways to think about that, I suppose. There's the local church. I just mentioned there's a universal church. But on the local level, a group of Christians gathering regularly to worship the risen Lord, hear his word proclaimed, partake of the Lord's Supper together, death until he comes, and baptizing new Christians together. I think I would also want to add in there uh, practicing or you could say obeying Jesus in the matter of church discipline. That gathered community doing those things together comprised of those newly regenerated people, that is a church. Those people make up a congregation. But there's also the universal church, which is, uh, contains all Christians in all times, in all places. The Bible speaks that way also of the church, thinking of uh, especially places like Revelation, the, the end times when the, the bride will have been made ready fully and the marriage supper of the Lamb will come and the groom, Jesus, will have his bride, the church, for himself finally. Uh, that, that's the other way, I think, to think about the church. And then the, the last and final one is you said, what is a pastor? And as you said, we could go long, but I'll go short. Uh, the first thing to say is that a pastor is a Christian, a, a, a Christian just like all Christians. That is not on a different level of Christianity, a normal Christian. That's the first thing. The second thing is that a pastor is given or is described by three different words in the New Testament. So they are pastor, elder, and bishop slash overseer. All those words are used, I believe, interchangeably about this single office, this single task or role for a person in a New Testament congregation. The easiest place where you can see them interchangeably is in Acts chapter 20, but there are more. Um, but you can look at those words one at a time and understand what a, what a pastor is. There's the issue of this person is an elder. So this is a person who is, I think you're right to understand there, a person who has, but not in earthly maturation in godliness. That's why you get character qualifications like in First Timothy chapter 3 and also in Titus. This is a person who has matured in godliness and would be looked to in a congregation for that kind of right leadership. Second, an overseer or a bishop. Um, bishop is sort of the word that we're less familiar with, but it's, that's only a translation of the same word uh, that we get overseer from. It's all the same word. And this is a person who as you've, if you imagine a household, oversees the household. So God's church is the household of God, and God uh, has appointed certain men called overseers to oversee his house. They, they don't do it with a tyrannical kind of authority, but with a servanthood authority. They serve and oversee and tenderly care for the, the congregation. And then finally, there's that word pastor, which almost certainly has to do with shepherding sheep, like Peter would, would tell the elders in First Peter chapter 5, shepherd the flock of God among you. So it's another metaphor for the, the same office where these men are assigned by the chief shepherd as his under shepherds to care for his flock or his people and to shepherd. And, and uh, so that's a pastor. And then I mentioned, I mentioned just briefly the, the character qualifications those are not secondary. Those are very primary. They're uh, almost all character related. This is like I mentioned, first Timothy chapter three, where 
exercise authority, to govern, to oversee, to shepherd, to care for, to tend God's people requires a certain kind of mate. So as a pastor, with a certain kind of character uh, on the integrity, holiness of life and conduct, uh, all those things would make up what a pastor is. Well said, brother. And I'm encouraged. I knew I expected to be, and I was, uh, by your responses to each of those four core questions of really the Christian faith and how God carries out his purposes in these last days between the resurrection and return of Christ. Um, but I have to also say that in the many, many, many times I've asked those, what I think are kind of simple, straightforward, sort of foundational Christianity questions. Um, those certainly aren't meant to be perplexing or twi- trick, cro- trick questions. Uh, so many times, brother, I have been met with responses that are anything but what you have just described. So may the Lord continue to raise up faithful brothers like yourself who aspire to serve the Lord and his people. And let's just talk as we close about the anticipated trajectory. So I started this podcast by saying Matt Nash is leaving. And so I'm sure everybody uh, just been sitting on the edge of their seat (laughs) trying to figure out, well, when's he going to ask him to tell us when he's leaving? Well, that time has now come. When are you leaving, brother? Brother, the Lord knows. We we don't have a date. So just to, to pop the giant bubble, there's no grand reveal. There's nothing of that sort. But uh, the Lord does know, and we do (laughs) expect to be leaving. So the best way I know to put it is that you could say from 2011 until 2019, you definitely would have characterized us in mainly a preparatory phase. That is, at that time, we were not at all expecting to be sent out to pastor a congregation. At this point, Mm -hmm. however... At the beginning of this year, you could say, the last several months, we have entered into, I believe, by God's guidance, something in a preparatory phase, at least mainly. We, we all know there's continued preparation, all of that forever. Yes, yes, Lord, continue to do that. At the same time, we are in a different phase now where we are trying to be more proactive, where we do think we should start moving towards Uh, being sent from the congregation. And that includes trying to be proactive about finding to serve God and to serve his people in the congregation. So exactly when, but we are being, uh, I hate to use the word proactive again, but trying to take steps towards actually moving the direction that we believe God's been preparing us for now for some years. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, so church, you heard that. I want to encourage you to make that part of your regular prayer for the Nashes. So however they rotate into your praying for the church family, um, please include as you pray for them that the Lord would make that path clear. And the Lord loves to use means. So let me say, if you are aware of a church in need of a pastor and you think Matt might be a good fit for them to consider, then let him know or let one of the elders know or let that church know and they can reach out to Matt if they so desire. But uh, typically those are the ways that the Lord 
connect churches and pastors. So um, don't hesitate to do that, but certainly pray for them. Last thing I'll ask, and then we'll land the plane. Do you anticipate that this will be a new church, a.k.a. church planting, something like happened with Grace Church 13 years ago, or an established church that the Lord takes you to pastor a people who have already been around before that you showed up? That would answer succinctly. We expect that will be an established church. That's the desire of our heart. That's what we want to do. We want to serve the saints who are in those congregations well. We want to see uh, perhaps increased faithfulness, devotion to Christ, that lampstand burning brighter. Who knows what the Lord will do? Those things belong to him. But an established church is the is the direction that we anticipate we'll be going. Amen. Amen. Well, that's exactly why I asked the people to, to uh, think of, if they hear of congregations or think of a congregation that's in need of a pastor, that's why I said that, but I wanted them to hear you say that. Well, brother, thanks so much for taking time to talk. And if if uh, the only thing that comes from this episode of this podcast is the Lord's people at Grace Church are helped to think through those four core questions of the Christian life, then I will give great praise to God. But we do also trust and pray that the Lord's going to use this congregation to help you guys discern when and where uh, you're supposed to go. So we're praying to that end. I'm going to pray briefly. And then we will pick up with another episode another time. Let's pray together. Father, we do commit the, the Nashes to you. And we know that you care for them. We also know that you care for congregations for whom Jesus has shed his blood. And we pray that in your time, you would make very clear and evident to both Matt and Cassie, to the other congregation, even to Grace Church. Uh, where you're leading them, when you're leading them. And we give you glory in advance for loving to bless your people and loving to raise up for them under shepherds who will uh, lead, feed, guide, and protect the flock. So continue to bless Matt. We trust you. Continue to grow and use him in the Grace Church family. And it is with joy and, and yes, sadness on this side of eternity to a degree, but with great joy that we anticipate the day when he'll no longer be a member of grace because we have the privilege of spreading eternal joy by sending out this dear brother and his family to go serve another congregation. So make all that plain. We commit it to you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Yep. I love, love you, brother. Thanks, Thanks for the time.